The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. This morning I want to ask a question. What is the kingdom of God? As you'll see from the message today, the kingdom of God is an expansive subject. In one sense, it includes all the elect children of God, wherever they are. In another sense, it may refer to heaven. But in the sense that is the focus of this sermon series, the kingdom of God is the church of the living God. It's that kingdom that Jesus said was at hand when he began his earthly ministry here and that John the Baptist had already been preaching about. In this series, we hope to lay the foundations of what the church is, what it should be preaching, and how it should be practicing or how it should be operating. In this first half of this first sermon, we deal with some of the issues about what the church is and what it should be. And over the course of the next few weeks, I hope that we'll be able to learn some things about what the church believes and why it believes it, and hopefully that we can see how those beliefs are based on Scripture. And ultimately, we can understand why we do what we do here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. The Church of Christ we have today a blessing from the Lord. He gave her to His Son to save and take her home above. The Church of God is singing now the winter's past and
beg an interest in your prayers this morning because uh, the message that's on my mind is one that I believe is very well needed, but it's also one that in some parts of what I, Lord willing, I plan to preach to you this morning uh, has a lot of some history and some facts and things like that that, uh, that could cause the message to, de to devolve into just a lecture. And I don't want it to do that. Um, there's a difference between lecturing and preaching. Now, I will say this, and Brother Buddy knows this as well, that one of the qualifications for a pastor, for a preacher, is that he be apt to teach. Teaching is part of preaching. In fact, if I'm not teaching you anything when I preach to you, there's not much preaching going on. So, um, so be in prayer for me this morning. I want you to turn to the book of Luke, the 16th chapter, and I just want to take one verse there as sort of a jumping off point for what the topic is this morning. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 16, Jesus makes this statement. He says, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. What I want to preach to you about this morning is the kingdom of God. Now, that is an expansive subject. And so I don't really intend to preach on every aspect of the kingdom of God because it includes many things. For example, it's, it's in one sense, it's talking about heaven. Over in the book of Revelation, you can look at that sometime. In the 12th chapter and the 10th verse, we heard, uh, John said, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. In other words, there's going to be a time when we refer to the kingdom of God and it means heaven. And there are times in the scripture where the kingdom of God is referring to heaven. But that's not the sense in which I want to preach to you about it this morning. In another sense, the kingdom of God includes every elect child of God everywhere. Over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 24, Jesus talks about the fact, or Paul uh, referring to Jesus says, Then cometh the end when he, that is Jesus, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. There's, in other words, there's a kingdom that includes every single child of God everywhere who has ever lived or ever will live. And, and that's in one sense the kingdom of God. And it's going to be delivered up to God one day. Some refer to a kingdom of God that some future kingdom that involves some kind of reign here on earth, a thousand years or something like that. That's not what I want to preach to you about this morning. Uh, I don't believe that's what primarily is or what's talked about in the scripture when it's talking about the kingdom of God. So what is it that I want to talk to you about? Well, I want to talk to you about a special sense of the kingdom of God, which I believe Jesus is referring to right here, which primarily is regarding the visible aspect of the kingdom of God. That is the part of the kingdom of God that we can see here on earth. The kingdom of God is within us, Jesus said. I get that. We can't see that. The kingdom of God is not of this world. In fact, he told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my, my people would fight for me. But there is a visible aspect of the kingdom of God. 
And I believe that's what he's referring to here. I believe that's what Jesus was, uh, John the Baptist was referring to in Matthew chapter 3 when it said he came preaching, uh, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and, John, and uh, Jesus himself in the fourth chapter began to preach, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in the fifth chapter through the seventh chapter in that Sermon on the Mount, he talked so much about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And I believe what he's referring to is the church. The church. You see, we're living in the kingdom of God in the sense of this visible kingdom. If you're a member of the church, of the local body, you are a member of that visible aspect of the kingdom of God. We just had a baptism last week. Uh, two came and united with us here at Zion Primitive Baptist Church. Those two were already children of God. They were already many years had been children of God. But they united with this local body here, and this local body is part of the visible kingdom of God, you see. So I want to talk to you about the church for a little bit this morning. And, and Lord willing, you know, I always say this when I talk about a series. I, I hope this turns into several Sunday series, maybe many Sunday series like some have in the past. But I'm always careful to say if the Lord leads in that direction, that that's what we want to do. Because when you start on a series, you have to be very careful that you don't overpower your impressions that are from the Spirit to go somewhere else on a particular Sunday. So be that as it may, let's talk for just a few minutes about the church, what the kingdom of God that Jesus is referring to really is. So the church, the, the term church comes from a Greek term, ekklesia. Ecclesia, which is a combination word. It's a, it's a compound word. It comes from the Greek word out, ek, which means out, and kaleo, which means to call. And when you put them together, ecclesia means a gathering of called out people. Paul and all the New Testament writers, including Jesus speaking it, refers to the church as the ecclesia, the called out gathering of people. Now, just for a little context here, the word ecclesia comes from the same, there, there's a root word there, kaleo. And kaleo, as I said, means to, to call. And sometimes it's, uh, it has one prefix and sometimes it has another prefix, but it's the same root word. You remember over in Romans chapter 8 and verse 30, after giving us that what I call the Roman road to salvation, beginning there in chapter 8 and verse 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now here's the Roman road to salvation, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let me just stop you right there and let me say to you, don't ever buy into the concept that you're a part of the chosen few. There is no chosen few. It's many brethren. In fact, we're told in the book of Revelation that the children of God are a number that no man can number. It's a multitude that you can't count. No man could count that high to know how many children of God there are. So, so I know some of, some of our brethren that believe similar to we do, they think, well, we're part of the chosen few. No, you're part of the chosen many. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. He's going to be the firstborn among many brethren. But notice what happens after that. In verse 30, he says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And it's that same root word there. I believe that's referring to the new birth, by the way, but we're not going to get on that this morning and preach. I could spend the whole hour talking about 
the next few verses. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. That's Jesus dying on the cross. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. That's Jesus coming back to get us. <laughs> Praise God for that. But it's that same root word that we have in regard to the church. It's also the same root word found in Romans chapter 9 and verse 11 where he's talk, he says, uh, talking about um, Jacob and Esau. And he says, The children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Him that calleth. That's that kaleo. That's that same Greek word. Okay. Also in the book of Acts, the second chapter, at the end of the day of, the, uh, of, the day of Pentecost there, after Peter has preached, and I'm going to turn there on this one uh, to get it right, in verse uh, uh, 37, after the message was preached there, it says, Those that heard were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Let me just say here that that's the way it works. When the Lord calls one, he pricks them in the heart. You'll read a couple of chapters over about some that were cut to the heart by the preaching of Stephen. Now, I can cut you to the heart, beloved. I can cut you to the heart. And you know what happens when you're cut to the heart? They stone Stephen to death. They, didn't, they weren't pricked in the heart. They were cut to the heart. Only the Holy Spirit can prick you in the heart. But these were pricked in the heart. And they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. By the way, the remission of sins occurred on the cross. <laughs> you see, the remission of sins happened already. He told them about what Jesus had done. And what he's telling them is to be baptized on account of the remission of sins for the fact that Jesus Christ has remitted the sins of his people, you see. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's not the new birth, by the way. The new birth had already occurred. The Holy Ghost is something special that was granted to the church of God and still has it. we still have it today. Did you know that? You say, wait a minute, are you talking about speaking in tongues? You're talking about healing. But no, I'm not talking about that. We're told those things will pass away. In the apostolic church age, they had them. But if you'll notice, no, the apostles could pass it on. But you notice nobody after the apostles could ever pass it on. Anybody, there were people that the apostles laid hands on that were able to do it. But those that had been laid hands on by the apostles couldn't pass it on to others. Faith, hope, and charity are what remain. <laughs> but, but, but notice this Holy Ghost that he's talking about is the leadership of the Holy Ghost that came down on the day of Pentecost. I, I didn't mean to stop here, but let me, just, let me do that just for a second. So what happened on Pentecost? There's so much misunderstanding in the world today about what happened there. Some will tell you today that you've got to have a Pentecost experience in order to really be a child of God. Well, child of God, in a sense, I guess you could say you do because the Holy Spirit has to prick you in the heart. <laughs> But the kind of, the idea of speaking in tongues and, and, and fiery, um, the, 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 the tongues of fire coming down and all that, that, that's not what he's talking about. You know what happened on the day of Pentecost? You see, Jesus, when he was here on earth, and we're going to get to that in a minute, he set up his church. He called it my church. He established it here. And, he, and when he died and he, came, and he rose again, we're told in the first chapter of Acts, he talked to his disciples he taught them things concerning the kingdom of God. The kingdom that was here now. The kingdom that he said earlier was at hand. It's here now. It's the church. It's the church kingdom. But he said to them this. He said, tarry here in Jerusalem until you receive the gift from on high. 
okay? So, so this, is what, this is the vision I want you to have in your head. You know, you've heard the old ship of Zion. You've heard of the old ship of Zion. That's a, 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 an analogy for the church, okay? It's a euphemism for the church. So the old ship of Zion was fully stocked, and the sails were extended, and it was sitting there in the harbor, all ready to go. But it had no wind to drive it until the day of Pentecost. And what happened on the day of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit came down and, and the wind of God began to blow upon the old ship of Zion. And now the ship of Zion, the church, is ready to go forth and do what it's supposed to do. It's ready to go forth and fulfill its mission. You know, that's an important part of the church, by the way. And I'm, I'm way ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you here right now that the church is not just an organization. You know, I, I've, I've been member, a member of different organizations in my time. Some of you may be members of the Rotary Club, the Lions Club, different clubs like that. And those are good organizations, but they're just organizations. Don't look at the church as an organization. The church is an organism. We're told it's a body. It has a head. It has arms. It has a torso. It has feet. It has eyes. It has mouth. Its head is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, the church is special because, you know, if, if, the, if the Holy Spirit weren't here, if the Holy Spirit didn't attend with us every Sunday or every time we're here, we wouldn't have anything. I'm sorry. I, I know, you know, I, I made my living talking. <laughs> you know that. I made my living talking. I can talk, but I can't preach without the Holy Spirit. I can, I can get up here and tell you facts. I can regurgitate what I've studied. But if there's ever been any preaching from this pulpit, it's only because the Holy Spirit has blessed it to be so. See, that's the way we believe the Spirit applies to us today. And the Spirit has to be here in the church because otherwise the old ship of Zion is dead in the water without the Spirit blowing upon That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. And notice what Paul said as he continued to preach to him there. He said, for the promise, verse 39, is unto you and to your children and unto all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. <laughs> See, he's talking about the calling there. Beloved, I just want to say this. You can't even escape the doctrine of election and the definition of the church. It's a called out assembly. Lord willing, if we stay in this series, we'll come back to the things that the church believes and that we ought to be preaching, and we'll talk about that. But, but just notice that the church literally means a called-out assembly. Now, I also want to talk to you about an issue that has, been, uh, that has plagued the church pretty much since the 2nd or 3rd century A.D., and that's the question of the universal church versus the local church. And there's been no small amount of controversy over that through the centuries. There are some references to the church universal. I believe Ephesians 5.25, when he said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He's referring to the church universal, to all the, all the, mem all the, the children of God, wherever they are. In Acts 20 and verse 28, we're told that he, he gave himself for the church. Okay, he's not just talking about Zion Primitive Baptist Church or Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church or, or some other uh, denominational church. He's talking about the church as a whole. O over in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse uh, 22, he, he gives a reference here 
to the church in general. He said, but ye, this is Hebrews 12, 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Now look, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just man, men made perfect. Here, I believe, is a reference to the church in general, the church in general. But you remember what I said earlier about what I want to preach on and focus on in this series is that kingdom of God that Jesus said is at hand. That kingdom of God that he says is preached since John the Baptist and the law and the prophets. And that is the local body. And I want to say to you, if you'll study the word church in the scripture, you'll find that the dominant emphasis in the New Testament is on a local congregation of believers that called out assembly, not universal, not invisible. The focus is almost always on this visible aspect of the kingdom of God, which will only be universal one day when it's delivered up into heaven. Now, here's where I want to get off a little bit into some history. And I just, if you'll bear with me, hopefully this will be helpful to us. That view that I've just given you has always been, uh, primarily always been, the Baptist view of church. That's been the historical position that Baptists have held throughout the years, that it is a local and a visible body. I did a little research on this and went to Elder Michael Goins' book on basic Bible doctrines. He was quoting a man named James Stitzinger, who is a professor of historical theology at a, at a university. And this is what he said. Now, you say, well, Baptists haven't existed always. They haven't always existed by name. But if you go back to the time of the Reformation, 1517 is when the Reformation began. Martin Luther, who that was one of my favorite courses in college, was the Reformation. Because buddy old Martin Luther, he, he knew what he was talking about in many ways. Uh, was, was, I, I, wouldn't, I don't agree with him on his ecclesiology, on his church, his view of the church, but, uh, but boy, he had some, of the, he had some of, the, uh, of the doctrinal things that you and I uh, believe. He had them down. And what happened was on October 31st of 1517, Martin Luther, who was at that time a Catholic, uh, I believe he was a Catholic priest already, uh, he, he marched up to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany, and he tacked his 95 theses onto the door. And those 95 theses were a, a charge against the current pope and the current state of the Catholic Church, primarily because of what they called indulgences. That primarily was the motivation behind Martin Luther's Reformation. But he, he starts the Reformation and it morphs into something bigger. And you have a lot of churches now that are Protestant churches that came out of that Reformation. Now, I want to say to you, Baptists are not Protestants. Baptists didn't come out of that because, and I want to read you a little bit here that will help to, to show you that. First of all, um, the, um, the traditional Baptist view has been that the church is not a universal, invisible church, but a local body of believers. In other words, it's not the church uh, universal, it's the church uh, in particular. That, that, is, that is under consideration. And that's the case in most of the, um, 
the New Testament. This Mr. Stitzinger, this professor here, said as a general rule, the Anabaptists, I'll come back to that in a minute, the Anabaptists rejected the idea of an invisible church, viewing the church as a voluntary association of regenerated saints. They sought to restore the idea of a primitive New Testament church free from magisterial entanglements. This allowed the practice of church discipline, but meant that the church did not have the right to force its views on anyone or persecute those who opposed it. That's a quote from Brother Michael Gowen's Basic Bible Doctrines. Let me point out something from that statement that's very important. And I should have said this before we started this series. That's what I want to, what I want to talk to you about is what we believe here, okay? But it's, we don't feel like it's our place to impose what we believe on other churches. You know, we do things a little differently here. And I'm going to point that out in this series. But the purpose of pointing it out is not to take shots at other denominations. It's not to take uh, to assail or assault. I've heard it done that way. I've heard preachers stand in the pulpit and blast other denominations. Sometimes you may hear me point out a difference between something that we believe and something that maybe the Southern Baptists believe or the Methodists believe or the Presbyterians believe. But I, it's not in an effort to attack anyone. It's not our place. You're here voluntarily. You know, you're here voluntarily. And, and this is not to, not to be blunt about it, but if you don't want to be here, we don't want you here. You know, we're not here to try to grab people and drag them into church and, and, and browbeat them with what we, you know, that's not our place. We want you to, we believe that we're doing it as closely as possible to the New Testament model. That's why we're here. If I didn't believe we were, I wouldn't be here. But, but, we, that's part of the purpose of this series is to try to make sure we understand the biblical foundation for why we do what we do and what we believe. But it's voluntary. I'm sorry to say there's a movement out there. Uh, I call it Christian nationalism. And I'm not sure that's the right term. Don't get caught up in that. I've got a couple of good friends who believe that it's their job as Christians to take over the government and then to legislate from the government biblical positions and make people basically turn this nation into a theocracy. Beloved, we don't want a theocracy, right. okay? That's not what we're here for. In fact, it's not our job to take over the government. Now, let me stop you. Let me say, preacher, you say we should not be concerned about Christian values in our government? Absolutely we should. And throughout history, Baptists and other Christians have, have, have taken part in government, and they should, and you should too. And when you vote, it's your Christian duty to evaluate the candidates and their positions and see if they line up with the Scriptures. And if they don't, don't vote for them. Vote for the ones that are lining up with what the Bible says. But don't ever get it in your mind that it's our job as, as Christians to take over the government and somehow institute a theocracy here in this world. See, people that feel that way have misunderstood the difference between the kingdoms of men and the kingdom of God. If, if Jesus had wanted that, he'd have done it when he was here. But he told Pilate, my kingdom's not of this world. Beloved, your kingdom's not of this world. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. 
That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.